Chief Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to One Month to Better Third-Party Management. This month's podcast series is sponsored by Opus. Opus helps free your business from the complexity and uncertainty of managing the risks associated with your customers, vendors, and third parties. By combining the most innovative third-party risk management and know your customer compliance SaaS platforms with unparalleled data solutions, Opus turns information into action so your business can thrive. Opus solutions include the Hyperos ABAC Accelerator, the leading platform for third-party risk management. To learn more, go to www.opus.com. Opus is an appropriate sponsor for this month as I'm focusing on third parties the third-party risk management process. Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be looking at the management of third parties after the contract is signed. We're going to take a look at auditing, (coughs) relationship management, training, continually monitoring and updating your own third-party program. This is an incredibly important month on my one-month series this year, and I'm sure that you will garner some new techniques that you can incorporate directly into your third-party risk management program. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening. Day 19, risk ranking in the supply chain. One of the areas many companies do not focus on is the possible corruption risks in their supply chain for goods and services provided on the company's behalf. The FCPA risk, however, can be just as great through those entry points as it can be on the sales side of an organization. You need to know who your company is doing business with through the supply chain as much as you need to know your agents seeking business opportunities on your behalf. The determination of the level of due diligence and categorization of a supplier depends on a variety of factors, including whether the supplier is located or will operate in a high-risk country, associated with, recommended by, or required by a foreign government official or his or her representative, whether the supply chain entity is currently under investigation, the subject of criminal charges, or recently convicted of criminal violations, including any form of corruption, A multinational publicly traded company with a recognized exemplary system of compliance and internal controls that has not been recently investigated or convicted of any corruption offense or, if so, has taken appropriate remedial action. Or a provider of widely available services and products that are not industry-specific and are offered to the public at large and do not fall under the definition of minimal risk supplier. You should note that any supplier which has foreign government touch points should move up to a higher level of risks. So what are the three categories I advocate for, or what are some of the categories you could consider, rather, in the supply chain? Well, the first is a high-risk supplier, and that is an individual or entity that is engaged to provide a nonspecific good or service to your company. It presents a higher level of compliance risk because of one or more of the following factors. It operates in a country that poses a high risk for corruption, money laundering, or commercial bribery. It supplies goods or services to a company from a high-risk country. It has a reputation in the business community for questionable business practices or ethics. It's convicted or has been alleged to have been involved with illegal conduct or, and has failed to take effective remedial actions. 
Finally, it presents one or more of the following factors, in which case that you should take a look at. It's located in a country that has inadequate regulatory oversight, and it does not have an appropriate anti-corruption law. It's in an unregulated business. It's ultimate or beneficial ownership is difficult to determine. Your company has an annual spend of some large amount, say $100,000, with the supplier. It was established or registered in a jurisdiction where the ownership is not transparent or that allows for ownership in the form of bearer shares. That still exists in many countries today. Take a look at Switzerland. It is registered or conducts business in Jurisdictions which do not have robust anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, or anti-terrorism laws comparable to those in the United States or the United Kingdom. And finally, it lacks a discernible business history. Conversely, a low-risk supplier is an individual or a non-publicly held entity that conducts business such in a manner such as a sole proprietorship, a partnership, or a privately held corporation, and is located in a low-risk country. An indicia of a low-risk supplier includes supplies goods or services directly to a company in a low-risk country, where you have an annual spend of less than $100,000 with the supplier. Supplier is not involved with any foreign government, government entity, or state-owned enterprise, at least uh, in connection with your uh, the services it delivers to your company. But there are other indicia that you can rely upon. So if the uh, low-risk supplier, or a company rather, can be considered a low-risk supplier because it has disclosure requirements similar to those under the FCPA. Another category you can consider is minimal risk supplier, which is a company that generally provides goods or services that are non-specific to a particular project, and the value of the transaction is uh, $50,000, $25,000 or less. Some examples might be the routine purchase of fungible items and services, office supplies, etc., industry or factory supplies, creating and other materials for shipping, leasing of uh, car uh, rental vehicles or other equipment, airline tickets, etc. But the key here is, one, the dollar spend, and two, the supplier product. And finally, even below that are common products and services that are not industry-specific, offered to the public at large, and do not even fall under the definition of a mental risk supplier. So things like pizzas. How often do you buy pizzas for an office outside the United States? Another food delivery, florists, magazines, daily limousines, taxis. What I suggest you do with suppliers or companies, rather, that come into contracts with your company in the supply chain is that you risk rank these. And the key is that on the supply chain side of things, you really rank them in a way that allows you to focus on the truly risky, those that are going to have foreign government or state-owned enterprise touch points going forward. So the classic example is Tyco. And Tyco went from well over 60,000 suppliers 
on their uh, companies in their supply chain. And the, when went through this uh, type of analysis, the ones that merited uh, true uh, high-risk screening were about 1,000. So when you can reduce down your number of companies that require a higher level of risk screening and scrutiny by those numbers, it's certainly going to be <clears throat> more business efficient for you going forward. So what are the three key takeaways? Well, I've spoken at length about risk ranking, but the key is that you have a well-thought-out risk ranking process. What really works for your business? The dollar amount is going to be considerable on the supply chain side of things. But if it turns out that you have 100 suppliers at $100,000, that alone does not make it high risk. Take a look at some of the other factors I've articulated. Number two, consider not only your compliance risk, but your business risks. If you have a sole source supplier, obviously that is a high business risk. If that sole source supplier moves to a business critical uh, service or product, it becomes even more high risk. So if you have a high risk, excuse me, a sole source supplier, and it's in a high risk area or business critical area, you need to manage that relationship even more closely. And finally, document all of this. Uh, as I indicated, one of the key things in the supply chain risk management process is to identify those entities in the supply chain which actually present a risk to you, a compliance risk to you, and a corruption and a bribery risk to you, a money laundering risk to you. But identify those companies and then get rid of the rest. You can manage uh, non-high risk, non-medium risk, low risk, minimal risk, or no risk and a much easier mechanism. You can even have a one-clause FCPA, a one-paragraph FCPA clause. But the key is to document your process, whatever that may be. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for joining me for Day 19, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for Day 20 of One Month to Better Third-Party Management. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of One Month to Better Third-Party Management. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate this podcast as it will help our rankings and help us get the word out on this most unique podcast series in compliance. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to today, and I hope you will listen tomorrow on another episode of One Month to a Better Third-Party Management. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.